Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rose, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class redneck dude. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I put it. I know I put it. But I'm most of all the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at WrestlingTWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way. And all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is... It's Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Wrestling TWT. Also, the YouTube page, youtube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on YouTube as well. We are a day late. As we record this on Wednesday afternoon. And the reason why we are is because, well, I want to make sure that I watched NXT Super Tuesday emanating from Orlando, Florida. Also want to make sure that we covered WWE Payback. Also some other news and notes around wrestling. We'll get to all that here. But as always, thanks so much for downloading the podcast. And tell people, don't just be selfish. Share. Tell people Jonathan is talking wrestling Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. You can catch this show on the ESPN Chicago app. Also, wherever else you download your podcast, make sure you check out Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Well, before we hear from our guest, Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com, I want to talk about some news and notes around professional wrestling. So we'll get some news and notes in, then we'll get Josh, as we always do, to get his perspective on some of the big events like Payback, uh, for the WWE this past Sunday as well as NXT Super Tuesday. Uh, an amazing four-way match that took place. We'll break it all down right here on this edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Before we hear from Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com, let's take a look at some news and notes. It was sad to see the parting of the ways between the WWE and Mauro Ronaldo, the voice of NXT. I saw that come across, and the WWE made their statement saying that we wish Mauro the best in his future endeavors, and looks like it was a parting of the ways from both parties. Mauro wanted to part, and the WWE was fine with that. It's an end of an era when it comes to pro wrestling broadcasters. Morrow is the last pro wrestling broadcaster in this era, and here's why. You ever hear Morrow Ronaldo for NXT? You ever notice that how different he was from Michael Cole or Vic Joseph or Tom Phillips? Uh, you could just tell that there was a huge difference between what Morrow was doing and his other guys. Morrow seemingly was not produced. As far as the storylines and as far as the bullet points to get over, he did that. But his passion just permeated through the microphone. His passion for NXT, his passion for pro wrestling, not sports entertainment, was right there. And I'm sure it drove Vince McMahon up a wall 
that he was not using the same buzzwords, the same terms that all the WWE announcers use. I've always thought that whether we're talking about football, basketball, hockey, baseball, on the traditional sports, you need to have unique voices. If every announcer sound the same, life would be boring. Well, here's the WWE, right? Michael Cole is so overly produced that you don't really know his true personality. There's only been a few times where we've heard Michael where it's like you can tell he's not being produced. He's calling a pro wrestling match and not being produced and doing a sports entertainment show. And Mauro Ronaldo was so unique and so different. And it, it was refreshing to hear someone who was once a talent himself in the Vancouver territory as a manager and as a wrestler to be able to do what he's doing right now. Um, as a voice of the WWE, he said, boy, that you could tell that he's really into it and knows history of the sport. But you could just tell that over the years, he was not overly appreciated, I don't think, enough. Triple H understood because Triple H had Morrow as the voice of NXT and it really worked. It really worked. And now he's no longer there. The whole run-in with JBL and... You know, who knows if JBL had bullied Mario Ronaldo and made him go away for a while because, you know, Morrow's had his, his issues emotionally um, with uh, the illness that he suffers with, with depression and other things. But I, I'm happy for him and I'm glad that as someone who watches MMA or boxing, I'll still be able to catch Morrow doing that. But that is a huge loss for pro wrestling. Think about all the play-by-play guys for the WWE and how the style is the same. Even in AEW, the great Jim Ross, and so many of you listening right now love Jim Ross, and I love Jim Ross too. I go back to him in the mid-80s, watching him doing Mid-South wrestling and then coming to the NWA. I love Jim Ross. But even Jim, even Jim on AEW, if you just watch one of the recent episodes, it was Cody Rhodes uh, against Mr. Brody Lee. And there was dust, uh, there was uh, Cody Rhodes on the stretcher. And Jim Ross said, well, more than likely, Cody's going to go to a medical facility, which is a WWE term, not a hospital like everybody else. He's going to a medical facility. It's been ingrained in him so much, the WWE style that you still hear from time to time from even Jim Ross, who's not even part of the company anymore. It's just... The sports entertainment is just all over the place. Very few places where you hear the pure wrestling announcer. Morrow was that guy, and he's going to be missed. Eric Young is the new Impact champion. And I saw that he defeated Eddie Edwards. I said, well, that was a short reign for Eddie Edwards. Um, hmm. Eric Young being the champion. You know, it all depends on how you look at Impact Wrestling. Because I look at Impact Wrestling in 2020 and say, okay, the WWE had all these releases. And I thought, okay, so just because the WWE releases all this talent doesn't mean that you have to put their ex-talent over so quickly. But for some companies, they need to have that draw, that person, right? And for Eric Young to have his second title reign since April 10th, 2014, uh, when he defeated... Uh, Nick Aldis, who was Magnus at the time for the championship, I think it's a little quick, to be honest. You know, there, there's a lot of talent that you and I both knew that should have gotten over in the WWE that now is in Impact or they're in MLW soon or they're in AEW. It doesn't necessarily mean that you had to put them over so quickly. 
And so Eric Young being the champion, Eric Young's always been a terrific talent. I've always been a big fan, but he's the champion now. And I thought, hmm, if you're coming from the WWE, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to put them in a position to win and beat your talent. If Eric Young comes over, or someone who is not utilized properly at all in the WWE, if he comes over and immediately becomes your champion, what does that say for your talent? Just saying. I read that there's going to be a second AEW TV show expected to launch by the end of 2020. AEW with a second show. So in January, AEW announced an extension of their deal with Warner Media through 2023 that called for an additional hour-long TV show to be created. But with the pandemic, the company had yet to figure ways to keep producing Dynamite and Dark on a weekly basis, and things have been quiet on the show front, according to Wrestling Observer. On the Sunday edition of Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer confirmed that the show is still in the works they expected to launch before the end of 2020. At the time, the idea was the hour would be taped on Wednesday nights and would air on another night. The destination was thought to be TNT, but uh, could be uh, other various Turner broadcast networks or even HBO Max, the streaming service that's owned by Warner Media. Well... All I can do is turn the clock back over 20 years ago. And I know that television is different now because there's a lot of digital options. But I can turn the clock back and look at Monday Nitro and Thunder. Eric Bischoff will tell that story to anyone who will listen. That after two hours of Nitro and when Ted Turner and the powers that be at... uh, Turner Media told Eric, you're going to have to add another two hours and have Thunder and we'll put it on TBS. Eric Bischoff was like, I'm not prepared for this. Like, we're trying to manage Nitro. Why are you adding another two hours? Like, I I don't have the roster for it. And the thing is that Eric will also tell you that there was no budget for Thunder. Like, so they were having two separate shows, one on a Monday and one on a Thursday. And it, it kind of, it's something when you look back, it could have worked But once again, just lack of planning and so many different cooks in the kitchen. It kind of ruined WCW overall. I mean, we can talk about that another time. But the point is, though, is that it actually could have worked for how many people were on the roster. It didn't have to be two NWO shows. They could have actually pushed WCW talent. But here in 2020, when we talk about AEW. So they already have a show called AEW Dark. And that's a lot of underneath talent. You don't see like the top, top, top stars uh, on Dark. But there are a lot of underneath talent that is on AEW Dark. I'm sure it could work. Uh, But the thing that I look at is AEW cannot stretch themselves so much in a year where they have another show and they are putting matches on. Because if you're doing that, you've got to make sure that the matches are, I don't know, good, entertaining. AEW still is trying to find their traction, trying to get 800,000 viewers every Wednesday night on TNT. And so having another show, people will watch, but you still want to be able to grow your brand. Now, I know it's new, so I give them a pass in this regard. They are... They have not even, they're not even one years old yet. They haven't been on the air for 12 months and it's still working out some bugs and, and you know, the product is good and it, but it's, it's going to get better. I'm sure, but it's just about booking. It's about timing and how you grow your talent. And so they can have another show. Hopefully it's not something that stretches their budget or stretches their interest. And one thing about the WWE, one of the reasons why that 
Um, they don't have huge ratings. Some of it is because of booking, for sure. That's number one. But number two, how many shows do they have on? How many hours of television do they put on every single week where it's like, I'm not going to watch Raw, but I'll watch SmackDown for two hours. Or uh, let me see what's on the WWE Network. They have some specials. I can watch all that stuff. So they're definitely they're in the bloodstream of all of us as wrestling fans. But sometimes you just can't get to all of the shows. There's some talent that's going to be forgotten about because there's so much wrestling in the WWE. Hopefully, AEW sees the forest for the trees and says, okay, well, let's tell some stories and slow down a little bit. You don't need to put on 11 matches on this new show. Just tell stories. Give us some background. Let, me, let us know about these wrestlers. We've seen all the moves. Now we need to know who they are. That's important if they're going to have another show. Brock Lesnar, free agent. Didn't think I'd read that here in 2020, but... Um, Brock Lesnar is a free agent, and he's not under contract with the WWE. The last time that we saw Brock Lesnar, he appeared on WWE television, losing the WWE Championship to Drew McIntyre. So PW Insider, I saw this first to say that, hey, Lesnar is a free agent. That's what I read that um, from our guy, Mike Johnson, who is a frequent guest in this program. Uh, the site reported that uh, while the sides have been working on a new deal that the negotiations have had a full impasse so far, and it's paused negotiations. What if, right? What if AEW stepped in the back door and goes, just for a one-off, we want you to come in? See, a lot of these things, are because of this pandemic, you can't have surprises um, where it can have this huge impact. It'll have a huge impact on us as viewers, but it's nothing like a full arena getting a surprise. Like some of these things that the AEW's done this summer, in spring, bringing in Brody Lee, bringing in Matt Hardy. Imagine if there was a full crowd to see these guys in AEW ring. It'd just been amazing. That's where you miss the crowd. Now, from a television standpoint, from a rating standpoint, people are like, okay, that's that's amazing to see these wrestlers in, in a different in, in a different outfit. But could you imagine? It's not like the cons don't have money, right? What if what if they came to Brock Lesnar and just like, hey, just for a one off, why don't you come in? And just shock everybody. Now, more than likely that won't happen because you know Brock and the WWE have had a great relationship. I guess there's no heat there that Vince loves Brock. And I want to take my hat off to Brock Lesnar, too. You know, Brock Lesnar, especially over the last few years, has really put on some great matches not good matches great matches he's more impressive in a loss than he is in a victory he really is and it's not like the usual oh if brock's gonna lose he's only gotta be in there for 30 seconds or three minutes he really has done a guy a really a good job i thought evolving as a wrestler evolving as a heel the guy didn't even say anything and just the body language and what he does in the ring is really special so he has really, really evolved. As someone who's been around the sport for a long time, when you think about it, we saw him on SmackDown, what, back in 2002, 2003, something like that. It's crazy. But I look at Brock Lesnar now with a lot more respect, and I wish that Vince McMahon would do exactly with some wrestlers like he's done with Brock Lesnar. Like, Brock will be back. But Brock is kept special like Andre the Giant. You don't need to have Brock Lesnar out there every week just looking menacing, you know, taking on wrestlers every week. You don't have to do that. He was kept special, and, and that was the best booking that Vince has done. 
And even if you can't stand Brock Lesnar coming out there, being a part-timer and winning the Universal Championship or the WWE Championship, you know, until the WWE takes these championships seriously, it really doesn't matter to me anymore. It doesn't matter. Now it's just about storylines and in-ring development, in-ring talent, and whether or not they're going to be pushed or not. That's what it comes down to. They have deemed these championships irrelevant. When I see wrestlers like uh, Fandango, for instance, on this recent NXT, I guess he's tag team champions now, right? <laughs> you know, Fandango. And he just, just kind of drops the NXT championship on the ground. He's about to start his match. He's, these championships don't matter to these guys. It's just, it's, it's, just, um, it's just a piece of metal, and that's too bad because... When I was coming up, championships mattered, and championship matter, uh, championship matches mattered. So it's um, it's interesting, but I I loved how Brock Lesnar was kept special. I think that was really smart by Vince McMahon and the WWE. When even though he might have been a big heel, you didn't see him out there every week. And when he came out there, it was a big event. All right, I'm going to call Josh Lopez and get his thoughts about payback and also NXT. We'll exchange our notes on that and more right here on TWT. As we have our conversation, make sure that you bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com and also follow Josh on the Hoots Podcast. Wherever you download your podcast, look for the Hoots Podcast. Josh does a great job on his show as well. So let's break down these cards and more right here on TWT. As promised, here he is, Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Josh, welcome to TWT. How are you, buddy? Hoodie, how are you doing, my man? I'm hanging in there. <laughs> it's like uh, between naps and working mornings, um, I'm catching up to wrestling, and that's why I need your fresh set of eyes versus my bleary eyes uh, watching uh, watching this stuff. So let's start here. The reason why we're just a, a day late on TWT is because I want to make sure that I watch thoroughly the uh, NXT show Super Tuesday, and I want to let's start here with the sixty man Iron Man match here. And I want to get your thoughts on it because you're looking at Finn Balor, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole. Um, this Iron Man match for the vacant NXT Championship. Do, for, before we talk about the match, did you like the idea? Do, would you have preferred uh, a three-way or just one-on-one? What do you think of uh, four guys going for the title? I like the concept hoodie. My question for you, I want to get your thoughts on this. I wonder if this Iron Man match would have worked better on a TakeOver special as opposed to television. Seems like they gave away this for free. Um, and and it's, it's the WWE Network. It's virtually free, I guess. But I, I understand your point. Um, two things with that. I would prefer this to be on an NXT TakeOver and a finish. Right. <laughs> How about a finish? And I don't mean like the draw that we saw. Uh, I wish I would have saw this as a finish. Just crown the champion and keep it moving. You do that in the WWE Network for, and and how special would that have been on a takeover special? And then you move forward from there. But they put it on TV, and and it's it's a little bit of hot shotting for me because you're unopposed. You don't have to do this, but they did this right. just to see what the number would be. And they got over eight hundred thousand people watching on Tuesday, which is great. But Josh, you didn't you didn't have to do this. Uh, and then have a non-finish. No, you didn't have to do a non-finish. Also, at the same time, I think the writing was kind of wall with how much they were promoting the fact that it was a two-part Super Tuesday event. So that kind of gave me the first uh, 
tingling of the fact that this wasn't going to have a decisive finish. But also, I, I mentioned this earlier while I was transcribing the show the, this morning, Hoodie. Um, I feel like, let's say, pick the out of the letter. Let's say Finn Balor won the match last night, right? Okay, he wins the match. Okay, awesome. Probably the right guy to win at that time. What's what's next, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll say finish or not finish. It got a reaction out of people. My critique for this is that I think television was the wrong platform for that because it basically gave NXT a bailout bailout option this week. I, I thought that's it was, all it was. You know, for something that's sixty man for an Iron Man match, it's kind of all over the place. I just I'll be honest, like. You got you had these individual matches taking place, and you had some cooperation here and there. It, right. It, it was it, it was good. It wasn't great. Um, it, you know, and this is where you miss the crowd, right? I mean, it's just yes. I know, I, I know this is where we are, right? That's not, I can't. You and I can't fight that. I mean, this is where we are. Like we're in a pandemic, and you're just not going to get a crowd right now. But it's just kind of like, eh, you know, it, it's if you're going to do sixty man uh, a sixty minute Iron Man match. I need it straight through. I can't do it with commercials. I just can't. Do it. I, I see the picture in picture. I just I I need it straight through. And right. I, I, I I don't know. I just thought it was. I thought it was good. It's, it's a lot of the stuff that we saw. We it's not like we've never seen before. When I watch a special match, it was supposed to be a special match like that. I need some see something new, something rare. <laughs> I really didn't get that. And and to me, I know where you're alluding to. Damn it! If you're gonna get, put the belt on on Balor, just give it to him. He deserves it. Right. Here's my thing, Hoodie. Um, I think more now than ever, I think we should rely on commentary to keep the energy going, especially for a match that's that long. And I like Vic Joseph. I I think Vic Joseph is one of the best play-by-play commentators that WWE has. Uh, obviously, me and you are big NWA fans. We enjoy what Wade Barrett's done as a color container. Beth does a good job as well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's 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 a totally different experience for me when I'm breaking down the match as opposed to watching it live. You know, I I can feel like maybe the air comes out of your system when you're watching match during picture in picture. Oh, okay. Let me check my phone. Let's see what some really quick reactions are on Twitter, right? Yeah. <laughs> Try to follow along with the conversation. I just think that element kind of takes away from what the match was. So a lot of times I find myself in those positions, and especially when I watch AEW shows that have matches that go 15 or 20 minutes. Okay, you have this match going on in picture in picture, but am I really processing everything that's being told in the ring? When you do it, when you when you do that, it comes across as less than. Well, like right. we, we, we're giving you the we're giving you the match. You just go see it in the smallest screen. We'll be right back, but just keep watching. It's like yeah, it doesn't hold my attention because the majority of that screen is the commercial. It just it, but but not on a match like this. That's why Takeover is it would be the platform for something like this. You know, for everybody that wanted Finn Balor to win last night, I thought last night really revealed a bad presentation for him because I think I counted eight or seven times during the match where he did that spot in the corner where he just stopped in the mud hole of somebody's ass. Yeah. Like, he did that multiple and multiple times during the match. And here's my critique with it. 
Finn, one of Finn's finishing moves is called the coup de gras, right? He Correct. does that flying foot stomp. He also does a standing foot stomp in the ring. If you're doing that many foot stomps in the corner where you're stomping somebody's chest out, okay, I understand you're trying to get somebody down and being carving up their chest, but also say it's like that takes away from your finisher. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, I know. <laughs> I noticed that. Yeah. But not a lot of logic there. But at 60 minutes, so he's doing what he can. So right. he, so he comes across as desperate. So, no, it's it's illogical in a logical sport. <laughs> so, so yeah. that's a good point. So, I, you know, that was okay. You know, you know like, you, when you see all four together, you're like, oh, man, match of the year, match of the year. Not really. No, it was, not, it was good. The, the, being on USA, that took it away from me a little bit. And just, I just thought there was... There's some really good moments, and then it's just kind of like the finish was a little flat for me. But you know what? That's why you have drama. We'll see what happens next week. Um, let me ask you a question. If you if Bronson Reed loses to Th- Timothy Thatcher, what does that do for Thatcher? Like, So I can't see Thatcher losing every match, and I don't think he right. deserves to. But, you know, I need – first of all, in that match, I need Bronson Reed to sell. You can do that for me. I mean, like, yeah. give me a fit. I mean, I understand that he's, I understand that Thatcher is not as big as you, but you can sell a yeah. little bit, and he didn't do that very well um, until the end. Of course, he had a tap. Uh, but I, Bronson Reed, is is he going to be less than because he didn't win the North American Championship? Are they, uh, like, where is his future? Like, Thatcher winning is good. I have no problem with that. I just wonder what Reed's future is. I wonder what Reed's future is, too, because I just thought in general on paper this was an interesting match pair because, like, Timothy Thatcher had a little brief confrontation with Damian Priest last week, and I thought that's where they're going to go for that um, program, for that title. So I thought, if anything, they should have just made this a number one contenders match, right? That, that was my first thought. And then it was just like a regular match, and then you're implementing Austin Theory to make sure that Bronson Reed doesn't lose all his credibility right off the bat. So um, maybe the wrong time to have that particular match on television. Uh, because, I, by the way, I don't know why Damian Priest was not on the show yesterday. I thought that would have been a good opportunity for him to – Cut a promo instead of doing these backstage interviews all the time. Let people know a little bit more about him and what's his goals with what his goals are for the NXT North American title. So, yeah, on paper, okay, okay, we got Bronson Reed, Timothy Thatcher. All right, we'll have a good match. Give some strong style. You know, Timothy Thatcher's gonna be on the ground the majority of the match, <laughs> trying to tap the guy out. Uh, and then we had this running with Austin Theory, so it's kind of cluttered in between. Like you don't know where Bronson Reed's going, and then Timothy Thatcher just got to win on TV. That's basically all it was. He sh- uh, Thatcher should be at NXT UK. That's what yes, I <laughs> yes he should. <laughs> yes, he should be with Gallus, and he should he should be on NXT UK. I, he, it's just his wrestling is so classic. And I, mm. and I and I like I, I like what he does, um, and I just I just don't know what the, the future is for him. But I know that Bronson Reed, because they gave him a good push and he didn't win the championship, I know they think highly of him. I just like to know is he going to be champion one day? Is he going to be in the main event one? I have no idea. He's a super heavyweight that I really like. Um, so, Brizang, go ahead. 
How about this for a match? Timothy Thatcher against uh, Alexander Wolfs. And the winner becomes part of uh, that faction. Yes. Imperium. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. Wolf can go, brother. He can yes, go. Yes, he could. He can go. Any any thoughts about this uh, this tag team match with Brazango? I really squad. enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I'm, I've been a big fan of uh, Lakato Del Fantasma. I am one of the few people who actually cover 205 Live every week, so I kind of can follow along with these guys' journey. So, I'm, you know, maybe for those who are not as caught up with that brand or the Cruiserweight division in general, you can just see this on television. Like, oh, okay, here's guys just doing spots for the hell of it. But these, this group has been entertaining to watch. I've been a fan of Santo Escobar ever since he was in Lucha Underground. He was known as King Cuerno at the time. Mm-hmm. But um, Santo Escobar is a phenomenal wrestler. I found it interesting that I'm more interested in in Joaquin Wild than I was DJ Z or whatever his <laughs> were in Impact. Come on, man. Uh, but I I do I thought it was a very entertaining um, street fight um, and. <laughs> freaking Fandango and uh, Swerve Scott did like that stereo plunge off the forklift. Forklift. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, this is a very physical match, and I thought it was interesting they brought Imperium into the match. I guess they wanted to have Imperium get their heat back for losing the titles last week, but that didn't. <laughs> it didn't help them out because they still got beat up towards the end of the match. So uh, it was very chaotic. It was a street fight, obviously, but I enjoyed the match a lot. Yeah, where did the forklift come from? I didn't know they could fit that in full sail. <laughs> it's, unbe- it's unbelievable. Dude, could you just tell me the story in the ring? Can you do that? Well, yeah. it was, I mean, in six months from now, will I tell you, hey, Josh, remember that forklift spot? Wasn't that unbelievable? Oh, boy. Seriously. Like, what's the, what is the point of that? What is the point? Like, and you wonder, like, where did it come from? I don't know. It just happened to be there. Let's just dive off of it. Just, I, I just, I don't get it. And I'm not like this crusty old school guy. I just like to know, like, what, why is, why is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, it, I uh, trust me. I was surprised by it that they found it out of the wherever they brought that forklift out. I mean, it's one for Shotzi to come out with her little tank, but that's part of her character. So you can understand why she drives that down the ring and attacks um, Robbie E. But <laughs> I, I get your point. Three times, three times of the tank. How many times? Hey, least, how many times you keep sells, pal? I understand he sells, but how many times you go back to the same joke? Like, like three times. I love when you uh, get run over by the tank. Ah, uh, let's do it again. Ah, uh, like great Triple H. Yeah. Now we're just popping the boys down. Now we're popping the boys in the back. That's that's what we're doing now with Robert, Robert Stone. Is that what we're doing? Just popping the boys? <laughs> in wrestling, we got uh, decisions to pop the boys in the back, and we also have the boys in the back in creative. <laughs> what does that tell you? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's something, man. It's something. I just I love when you do that. Ah, uh, Payback on Sunday. A pay-per-view that shouldn't have t- taken place the, the week after SummerSlam. <laughs> Right, <laughs> like, like who's putting this stuff together? Like back to back pay per views. All right, 
All right, fine. You know, in the WWE Network era, I guess it doesn't matter. You just keep rolling out specials. Ah, never mind about your calendar. No one's coming to the matches. Just keep putting specials on. Okay, so here's payback. Let's start from the uh, the beginning or maybe the end in this case with Bray Wyatt against Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns. Very well done. Very well done at the end with Roman Reigns aligning himself with Paul Heyman. People have been waiting for Roman Reigns to have a different personality. They did not want to have John Cena 2.0. They did not want to have someone they could boo. They want to see someone that's interesting. Roman right. Reigns comes at the last moment as Bray Wyatt takes on Braun Strowman. And it, it, so I'm happy for Roman Reigns, but here's the point. And we've talked about this before, Josh. Josh, Bray Wyatt does not have to be a placeholder for anybody. Like this, this could have been done. Why don't you beat Braun Strowman straight up for the championship? Like, 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 well, I, I don't understand why Bray had to be that placeholder for Reigns to eventually become Universal Champion. You are wasting Bray Wyatt. In three years, when we go back and look at Bray Wyatt, you and I are going to say, boy, they had something there and they fumbled it. Right. And we talked about this too last week. Like, Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt did not need the title to necessitate their feud. They're fighting with each other over the fact that Braun left Bray and Bray was in his feelings, basically, right? Yep. So they didn't need the title to necessitate them fighting with each other. And I, I, I mentioned this on my podcast last week. I just felt that the Universal title has been in limbo since WrestleMania. So I think Roman could have come back at a better time. <laughs> and... We have an angle here where people are extra interested to see where his journey goes. Why is he aligned now with Paul Heyman after all these years? And you got a reason to care for the title now. I agree with you. I don't think Bray needed to be a placeholder or Braun. I, I, we mentioned it last week. Neither, the, neither of those two guys needed that title to carry the, the SmackDown brand over the summer just because Roman Reigns was gone. And that goes back to the big guy fascination with the WWE over the years. Unless we have a guy that's a, a larger-than-life character or the guy who's the size of Braun Strowman, those are the only guys that need to be the world champion. And you had other guys on the roster at that time that couldn't hold that title during the meantime. You, you, you can't tell me that Daniel Bryan could have been the world heavyweight champion <laughs> during that time period right. or uh, uh, Shinsuke or AJ Styles. You had options there. I just think they went the wrong way about it. And here's the thing. Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt could have a feud on their own accord. They did not need a title for it. But I'm glad that Roman's back. I am a fan of Roman Reigns. And I'm really curious to see where he goes from here. Um, It's like he's doing things on his own terms now. And hopefully we can finally tap into more into who Joe and Hawaii is and this new level of Roman Reigns is going to be. So I thought it was a good decision. And, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> this pay-per-view did not need to happen. But I thought for the most part, it didn't ultimately affect most of the stories that were already being told at SummerSlam. That was my thoughts. What, what, what did you think about it? Uh, you know, I, I just thought that you – no, know, first of all, I'm, I'm happy for Roman Reigns because – being aligned with Paul Heyman, and see, the thing is, Heyman doesn't have the stroke in the back anymore to control storylines and narratives. He's just a talent. But it'd be nice for Paul to be able to have that opportunity 
to come to the writers and say, you know what, Joe, meaning um, uh, Roman Reigns, has something that he wants to say, but it doesn't need to be overly scripted. He has some things in mind he wants to say. So right. I want to hear Roman Reigns a little bit more in his own words than the scripted nonsense, you know, be- believe that, all that nonsense, right? I like yeah. for him to be himself because the guy is well-spoken. You see him outside of it, outside of the WWE. He's he's a great representative for the company. Let him be that guy as a heel. And I think that that's, that works for me. Um, one other note about this I just want to bring up. So I want to make sure it's clear. Let's, let's be the first show to say this. Like the fearful fiend Bray Wyatt, that's over. Who's scared of him now? He's just uh, he's what? What do we keep hearing in the ring when he has matches? You're just you had to put a mask on, huh? It's just you and a mask. Mm. Where, where's the, where's the spooky lighting? What happened to that? Where was that uh, on Sunday? There was like a a, a a switch with the direction once they brought the title to this feud with Braun. It's like okay. originally brought up Ray the Fiend was all about getting receipts, right? Just going after people who did him wrong over the years. That's where the whole spooky element came in. And like I keep mentioning, man, <laughs> that title just overshadows everything that character is supposed to be. So, well, I mean, so so where do you go from here? Then we saw rocking chair Bray. We see the fiend Bray. So like, you know, this is the guy here is supposed to be feared and so over the top when he took on Seth Rollins. I mean, that you saw a guy there that was a whole different character than everybody else. You're like, wow, look at the spooky lighting. That dude, that dude has that, you had that feeling of fear when you see him, right? Yes. Uh, it's like when I see Contra when I'm at MLW shows. Like, I'm like, you know, <laughs> like I'm running away from my my spot at MLW. Like, okay, I don't know if they're coming mm-hmm. over here, but I'm out of here. Like, that's that's the feeling that you're supposed to have. And I, now that's just cartoonish. So, so you, they have, they have knocked the piss out of, the fiend Bray Wyatt. It's just it's done now for me. It's over. It's done. What what else? What what else? What's the other new element can they give me to make me think that that guy's over? Tell me. I don't know who else on the roster he needs to get vindication off of. You know, like unless he goes to Raw and there's other guys that you you could focus on. Um, I, yeah, there, there has to be a creative way to find a new layer into the fiend and why he's there now. Well, do you think WWE created for that? <laughs> but see, but if you don't roll him out there every week, you keep him special, then you can stretch this out more. See what I mean? Like this is this is what I mean? Like you gotta have a fun house, pal. Gotta put him on every pay per view, pal. Okay, so now he's not special. It's not special. Yeah, you can't have the Firefly Funhouse every single week. What do I know? I've just been watching this stuff since forever. Um, <laughs> so, so Dominic and Rey Mysterio against Seth Rollins and Murphy. Dominic Mysterio, God, in five years, man, we're going to be talking about how his debut was as big and as special as anyone who's ever started in the business. You would think that you'd see him be a little bit green here and there. And that, like... He's not this perfect package yet, but you could tell that he's worked really hard to try to get to this level as a super baby face. It's like his father and Dominic, man, if he's still in this company in five years, I don't see why he can't be right there as a top guy because the the persona's there and he's just working on just trying to get better in the ring. I, I like the story. 
I hoodie, I'll tell you this. This was my favorite match from Payback on Sunday. I just thought it was a really, really good tag team match. Um, you know, you gain a little bit of dissension now with Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy, and maybe that's where this feud with Rollins and the Mysterious could go away, and Rollins can focus in having a feud with Buddy Murphy. And here's the thing: not only Dominic is being elevated. Even though Rollins and Murphy lost, I think in a way Buddy could be elevated if he gets in the feud with Seth Rollins, you know? I I really enjoyed this match. I've been really, really impressed by what I've seen from Dominic in the ring over the last couple of weeks. And he just looks like a natural, man. <laughs> for for his age and his lack of experience, he just looked he, – he, he comports himself very well in the ring, and I've been – I've been really enjoying what he's been doing in the ring over the last couple of weeks. I just think Seth Rollins and Ray, when they're in the ring, it's magic. It's kind of yes. like it's like it's a dream match I didn't ask for when they're when they're in there together. <laughs> it, it's like I I would have loved to see them go the guys go you know for a year back and forth to see what they could do to each other. But just the the element of Dominic Mysterio as you start to see the torch being passed to Dominic, it's it's really cool. It's really cool. I like it. I thought I agree with you that it was the best match I saw on Payback on Sunday. I want you to explain to me Keith Lee versus Randy Orton, and I want you to explain to me that finish. That finish, um, I, the decision to have Keith Lee win and have the spear bomb put Orton away, I'm, I don't have an issue with that. I thought the match needed more time, though, to solidify that and have more meaning out of it like you remember when john cena and kevin owens had their first match at um elimination chamber yeah a few years ago and they had like a 20 minute match and owens did the same thing he put cena down to pop up power bomb and that was it um i think they would have got more juice out of that match uh if they gave it more time um i think maybe they're going with uh a shock factor like i going into the event hoodie i knew i had to good sense that Keith Lee was going to defeat Randy Orton. I just think uh, it was a missed opportunity to showcase his other skills in the match. Then <laughs> I guess they I guess they preferred with the fact that, hey, we're doing these shorter pay-per-views now. Hey, let's surprise some people. Here's a match semi-main, I guess, on this show and we're going to uh, have Keith Lee beat Randy Orton like that. Boom. Tell, so, tell me about that six-week build to Randy Orton versus Keith Lee. Tell me about that. That is gone, pal. <laughs> you understand the point, though, right? Like, yeah, I get, that, I get. That, that could have been anybody else on the roster to showcase Keith Lee to make him look strong. Let's take a look at the resume for 2020. So you're in the greatest match in, the, in wrestling history, as it was billed, against Edge. In a classic build, old-school build. And you have this terrific match. And I wish it was in an arena where they wouldn't have to have been cut and, and re-edited and all that stuff. I just would like to I would have loved to see that straight through. Okay. Right. But before that, you had your, your grudge match with Edge um, if you're Randy Orton. So it's been a classic old school grudge match. All right, cool. Then you go for the WWE Championship against Drew McIntyre and fall short. Now you're on payback to try to make Keith Lee look strong. And so we know ultimately how this ends for Randy Orton, that he becomes a WWE champion at some point. But you didn't have to have Randy Orton lose to make Keith Lee look strong. You didn't have to do that. What, that, like what, that looked like Randy Orton like five years ago. Like, oh, Randy Orton's doing a job again. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. You look. You know the roster better than I do in the WWE. Is there anyone else in the WWE that would have given Keith Lee a really good match to make Keith Lee look strong? Just give me a name. Anybody that you that you cover, give me a name. From any brand? Any any yeah, from WWE. Like it's payback and Keith Lee's having his debut and he doesn't know who's coming out, right? This is you and I booking it. Keith, right. Keith Lee's having his debut. Look at him. Look at him. He looks like a movie character. He's wearing a dress. And he's he's clean shaven, pal, and and now he's he's had his time at NXT, and now he's on the main roster, and now he's looking to take on someone. Who comes down the ramp once Keith Lee is introduced? This, my pick is, is a fortunate situation because this guy kind of did this uh, did what you're you're talking about the scenario. He did this for Big E earlier in the show. My pick would have been Sheamus. There you go. Now you can't tell me that that wouldn't have been like that's that hoss fight we talk about, right? Yeah. Like, like you know, Sheamus is not going away quietly. <laughs> so <laughs> you're gonna get his head now. He's gonna he's gonna pound your chest in. It's gonna be physical. Might be a little stiffsky. I mean, it is Sheamus now. We've I've heard those stories. Like Sheamus is can be not reckless, but a little bit stiff because he's a big, powerful guy. Sheamus yeah. do the job against uh, for Keith Lee. You don't have to have your guy that's going to be eventually the WWE champion to do the job in seven minutes, eight minutes. Josh, come on, bro. Come yeah, on. I didn't think that was the right time to do that match. No, just, but, no but just like the guy that was in the greatest wrestling match of all time loses it in seven, eight minutes to Keith Lee. So is Keith Lee going to be the WWE champion this year? I don't think he'll be WWE champion, but he, he has a good cause. He has a good case for it. He even mentioned it on Monday. And um, he, it, it's really hard to zoom out of this with the fact that Payback was actually a week after SummerSlam. Like, yeah. I went to the shows like, okay, we're going to have some good wrestling matches. Hopefully something doesn't go over the board where it ruins certain feuds or trajectories of certain performers. There, It was eventful to a certain extent. I mean, three titles they changed on the show. <laughs> no, but, that's not right, though. That's not. But, but that's, no, no I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. My thing is with Randy Orton, there was going to be a detour one way or another. But did this have to be the detour in his way to becoming WWE champion? I don't think so. On your way to being champion, put over Keith Lee. In eight minutes. Okay, what was your reaction if Randy Orton just beat Keith Lee? <laughs> I would have laughed. Yeah. <laughs> I would have said, well, damn. <laughs> well, he, then I would have said, well, for sure he's getting a rematch against uh, the WWE champion. Right. That's that's what I would have said. I would be like, oh, well, he if he would have beat Keith Lee, well, look, put it this way. <laughs> if he would have beat Keith Lee, I said, boy, that's so WWE. Is <laughs> another NXT talent being buried by Vince? That's what I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a loose loose situation, I guess. <laughs> I, I I think they really wanted to go with the shock factor, but in my opinion, I didn't think they need to have that particular match. Hell, for you know, let's say Keith Lee did fight Dolph Ziggler at Payback. You know, the match they had on Raw was pretty good, right? Yeah. But you could have done that on Payback, and then. Watching the paper, he's like, oh, okay, Keith Lee got victory over Dolph Ziggler. So what? So, like, <laughs> when it comes to the Raw brand, I, I'm trying to it's, – it's, it's, it's getting harder, and I'm trying to figure out who should be the right people to fight who. It's kind of 
uh, cluttered around other multiple feuds that are going on throughout the show. If honestly, hoodie, I thought Randy Orton should have fought Kevin Owens at Payback. Fine. And, and put, <laughs> that's and, what I would have done. And keep Randy and keep Randy strong. Keep Randy right. strong. That's all, like I understand what again. I understand what the end result is. But what the old school wrestling in me says: if Keith Lee beats Randy Orton, Keith Lee deserves a title match. He'd be, he be, he be one of the top contenders. I mean, the old top ten on Mid South would have had would have vaulted Keith Lee like the number two spot. You beat the guy uh, that uh, Drew McIntyre beat. Well, maybe you should be one of the top contenders for the title. Yes. By the way, I have to mention this because I've been catching up on a lot of Mid South recently. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why Jim Ross should ever toss it to Joel Watts. Enough with the Joel Watt. Leave him alone. <laughs> Leave him alone. That's Bill Watts' son. <laughs> Power Pro Wrestling, and here's Bruce Pritchard <laughs> to reinvent the next match. Bruce was great, wasn't he? With the long hair, he was. He was tremendous. That's some yeah. good stuff, man. That was now. Nah, that's great storytelling. Yes. So that's this is why Jim Ross is the greatest of all time. Because yes, he because he had to work with Joel Watts. See, <laughs> well, you, you got to put Joel Watts over that. Then there you have it. And by the way, every time you hear a Jim Ross podcast, it was you know not all the time, but he talks about Gordon Soley. And he says <laughs> and he says, oh, you know, Gordon, uh, we had to fly him in from Florida, and he'd fly into Atlanta, and he, we'd always find him at the Crown Room, the Crown Royal Room, and you know he wasn't really ready to do his broadcast, so we had to catch him in the morning when he wasn't drinking. Because he'd make a side detour, and then we had to shine him up and get him ready. Twenty twenty. All right, so let's take a look now at. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, history repeats itself? Does it not? <laughs> I'm just, yes. I'm just, I'm just. I know that's his hero, man. But damn it, you don't have to be your hero, okay? Like he's. It's like you hear that podcast. You can hear like the you can hear the Moscow Mule in the background. You can hear him kicking that Moscow Mule. Connie, Connie, Connie. I love Bob Cottle with all my life. Bob Cottle's a good man. Like okay. Hey Connie, I got another Leroy McGurk story. (laughs) Connie. Uh, let me ask you one other match because I want to get your New Japan thoughts as well. Anything right. else in the in the early to mid card that you liked about Payback? What other match stands out? You know how we were talking about how you got somebody elevate Keith Lee. Yeah. I thought Sheamus did that for Big E. That was the other match in the show that really stood out to me. Just strong physical the guys laid their shit in they're working on body parts it wasn't eye roll inducing watching their match uh they got tied to tell their story i really enjoyed the match with biggie and Sheamuson. i'll also give props to um bobby lashley and apollo cruz mm-hmm. uh their first the first match for the united states title i'm all in on the hurt business and i thought it made sense for the fact that bobby lashley uh took the u.s title from apollo cruz because okay apollo beats Bobby, okay, you, he just ran through the whole hurt, hurt business, and you have these guys coming in looking like the baddest people in the world <laughs> in Raw Underground, but they can't beat Apollo Crews. I just thought that would have been a bad look. <laughs> so, right. um, I'm, I'm happy for Bobby Lashley, and I thought that match was really good as well. Um, is there any Hurt Business merchandise yet? Any t-shirts? We need to get some. <laughs> we I, need to get some. <laughs> I've got Imperium. 
I've got uh, Walter merchandise. Well, I need some Contra merchandise. That's because I'm an NXT UK mark. Of course, I've got an Imperium t-shirt. I've got a Walter t-shirt. Um, I've got to get a Contra t-shirt. There's got to be some Hurt Business merch. At least I hope so, because I'm getting one. Because um, I, I, I like that faction. Hoodie, would you get an Injustice t-shirt? <laughs> what is Injustice? What, I missed that. What is that? Um, MLW from uh, Myra Reed. <laughs> no. No, no. Me and Myra Reed have heat. Oh, really? You know this, right? No, I don't. So MLW comes to Chicago uh, in the, at the Cicero Stadium. And as I'm leaving, because, look, I, I I can't deal with traffic, bro. I can't. I don't, I don't care if it's small or big. Like, the last match on the card, I was the first one out to the uh, parking cage right next uh, adjacent to the building. So I'm the first one out. And I see Myron Reed in his gear running down the street on Cicero. And wow. I catch him, I take a picture, and I say on Twitter, like, where's Myron Reed going? And he tweets back at me, he goes, don't start with me, bro. Don't start with me. It's <laughs> hashtag injustice. So he was, he was not happy that I caught him in his, I don't know what the hell he was doing. Like, you're, he wrestled, I think, once or twice that night. And I don't know why he didn't put in his regular clothes, but he was in his gear running down the street. I'm like, is that what stars do? In your gear? Weird. Yeah, I, not even that. I thought you would have heat with you over the fact that he wears the D'Lo Brown chest protector. <laughs> well, that well. too. <laughs> that too. But we and I have heat, so we got to get that rectified. Uh, so, yeah. So I, Hammerstone. We got to get some oh Hammerstone merchandise. Dude, give him all the money. Yes. Give him all the money. That guy's a star. Get back to the – we get back to normal with fans – and you put the title on that guy, he's a draw. Money. He's a draw. God, he's a draw. I love watching him perform. He's been one of my favorite performers to watch in MLW. And um, I don't know. <laughs> Here's the thing with like a guy like Mance Warner. I like him, but I wouldn't buy his merchandise, nor would I drink beer with him because I'm straight head. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> the conflict of interest, if you will, pal. <laughs> you know what? Mance Warner leaves money on the table. Yes, he does. He doesn't. He doesn't even under. Josh, he doesn't even understand that he could be a star if he stayed away from that that nonsense. If he was not a hardcore guy and was just he's the one of the best promos in in twenty twenty, right? I mean he's I mean, he's got an old school promo style which is great. And Jim Cornette tried. He tried when he was at MLW. It's like, dude, just stay away from the hardcore stuff. Just be the talent. And then if you've got to go there like Terry Funk or some of these others, then you go there. Or even like Mick Foley. Just if you got to turn in, into that, do that. But just don't be that all the time. And Mance Warner just wants to do, be this backyard, CCW-type, hardcore bullshit guy. And every time he does that, it limits him and he leaves money on the table. He is, he is His promo style is like 1984, bro. I'm telling you. But it, but the personality and him being from the South and all that, that would get him over as a top baby face if he just left that hardcore nonsense alone until it was special. And he doesn't get it. That goddamn Southern Muttshell bullshit. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, I got to ask you, Hoodie. Um, should we get an invoice from Quartz since we're the only podcast talking about MLW this week? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess it. it I guess we all we get is uh, 
uh, you know, free tickets when they come back. I guess that's, that's uh, good. Yeah, we we got a and we got a good ringside seat. We could do that. All uh, right, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so, um, let me tell me about you, uh, what's going on in New Japan because the fans are starting to come back in uh, cities around Japan, right? Yes, they've been. Um, ladies and gentlemen, for those in the listening vicinity of the United States, just wear your mask and don't be a nimrod. Like it's it's really not a hard concept to grasp. I know we like to bicker and have opposing views on every single aspect of life these days, but the fact that. Japan can nearly have a sold-out cork and hall, and people are adhering to social distancing. They got their mask on. Why can't we? <laughs> it's embarrassing. I'm watching this summer struggle show in Jinju. Uh, Jinju Stadium's a, a baseball stadium out in uh, Tokyo, Japan, hoodie. That's where they had that big event on Saturday. And we have fans at ringside. We have people all spread out throughout the baseball stadium. I'm like, okay, it's not fully sold out as you expect a regular stadium show would be. But still, it's cool. That, like, if Japan could do it, I don't know why we can't. And that, that was the frustrating part. But um, going to the show really quick, um, New Japan has really been working on solidifying and building up more of their mid-card division over the last couple of months. Uh, it's been kind of a stranglehold over the top titles or the fact they decided that they wanted the IC title and the world title be on the main champion. So they keep having these double championship matches. The main event of the show was Evil and Tetsu Naito. Evil, the newest uh, member of Bullet Club. Turn his back on LIJ, pal. And uh, yeah. <laughs> they've been... They, uh, Naito and Evil have been having their feud. Uh, Naito defeated uh, Evil after a 30-minute barn burner uh, on Saturday uh, to become the new IWGP heavyweight and IC champion. There was a lot of run-ins, obviously, due to the fact that we got this gang warfare between Bullet Club and LIJ. So we had G- Gato come out with his prim, proper beard. Uh, mm-hmm. We had Bushi. All these people were running in. It was a very fun match to uh, transcribe. Uh, I was putting over the Apollo Crews-Bobby Ma- Bobby Lashley match earlier. And the reason I'm saying that because when you have like a pay-per-view show, I think like one match in the show, you should have like a up-and-coming uh, mid-card guy against a established veteran. And that guy elevates that young guy in the process. I saw that on Saturday with a guy named Shingo Takagi mm-hmm. and Minoru Suzuki. It was my favorite match on the show on Saturday. If you guys haven't had a chance to watch it, please go out of your way to watch it. Now, just with any other wrestling promotion, I know we like to mention that WWE uh, likes to rely on comedy and a lot of dumb stuff. Um, I was not expecting in 2020 to see Toriano pin Okada in a match, but <laughs> man, I can't. I fast forward when I see him because it's it's. I'm just not a fan. I can't. I need my New Japan serious. I know that sound. I I just can't. I can't take that. No, that that was not a good look whatsoever. Um, I mentioned this a lot that the AEW referees take away a lot from the enjoyment of the matches, especially the tag team matches. But New Japan is not at fault either. They they make they make a lot of mistakes with their referees too. I mean, I don't know how in a tag team match a guy can 
basically wrap a mic cord around your neck right in front of the referee. <laughs> it's not no disqualification. They just let it go. Like, all right, go, go, go kill yourselves. Go do whatever you want. So, <laughs> like, I'm watching this match with um, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Ibushi. They take on Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi. That was the main tag team match. They go on for like 20 minutes or so. Super, super long match. And these guys are hitting each other with bell hammers. They, the, there wasn't any stipulation of those, no disqualification. I was like, wow, man, they're really going for it, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> screw you guys. I think Red Shoes at one point is like, F it. You guys go beat the crap out of each other. So um, I... I've, I've been enjoying what I've been covering so far for New Japan Pro Wrestling, but there's also stuff they can work on as well. And um, I want to mention this really quick. I want to plug it. New Japan has a new show that they've been uh, airing every week called New, new Japan Strong, where they're showcasing the domestic performers who haven't had a chance to uh, perform in Japan uh, due to the pandemic. And, um, you know, getting to see a guy like Jay White, and Jeff Cobb and Chase Owens, the uh, New Japan spot picker, as I like to call him. Grills <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 of Destiny, one of my favorite tag teams in the world. Uh, they have a show called New Japan Strong, so they've been doing that every Friday, so it's been nice to see that. And then uh, right around the corner, I think in three weeks, Hoodie, we got the 30th edition of the G1 tournament coming up soon. So a lot of things going around the world, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And um, I hope sooner or later they come up with a solution with this double championship scenario because that, that IC title is useless now. Yeah, I think I would agree with you there. Um, and the G1 is one of those things where it's like, okay, I got to stay up. And, you know, with my hours, I'm just have to watch this stuff on delay. But I'll be watching because that's one of the cornerstone events for New Japan that I enjoy watching. Um, so a, a little bit more, by the way, on PJ Black against Chase Owens taking place uh, in Florida at the Ocean View Pavilion. How good was that match? Because... P.J. Black in particular has been around for a long time and has been undervalued by a number of companies. So how good was that Fighting Spirit match? It was really good. Uh, really good back and forth wrestling. I, I got to say this, man. I know a lot of people go for the big name stars, but Chase Owens is one of the best pure wrestlers in the world. There's nothing the guy can do in a match, whether it's working the body part, selling, like I mentioned, <laughs> being a spot picker. Like he's just very smart in how he lays out his matches, and I totally recommend that match for everybody to check out. Chase Owen did beat PJ Black with the packets pile driver. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure Kevin Owens is pissed about that, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Chase Owens. Um, I'm glad they have this new New Japan Strong Show because they can showcase more of him as a singles wrestler, and I think there's more layers to him that they can introduce. It's a bummer that uh, Chicago's own Juice Robinson's out with an injury, so that's why they have been able to uh, put a spotlight on him on these shows. But PJ Black, uh, it was great to see him wrestle again. I I'll be honest, I've been out of the loop with Ring of Honor, and I forgot he was in that promotion hoodie. Uh, I'll be honest with you. So it's nice to see him in the ring, and uh, I thought they had a really good match on Friday. Until it's worth it, you don't have to transcribe that. It's yeah, not, so <laughs> that's my rule with pro wrestling transcriptions, pal. Yeah, <laughs> that's not worth it. Um, you know, one last thing about New Japan. You um, were writing about um, oh well, well, a couple of things. Okada has Okada cooled off to the point where you wish that he was in America. 
and being able to shore his wares because he's been in New Japan so so many times. When he doesn't have the championship, it, it just seems he seems regular. Seems lost without the title. He looks naked without the title. He looks like what Randy Orton looked like five years ago. See, it, the old days, he would have come here for like a year with a manager, like Gary Hart would have been his manager or something like that, right? He, he would have been able, not because he doesn't have the command fully of the English language, but his action is so good, you have to watch him. You know, if I'm AEW, I pick up the phone. Seriously, I pick up the phone like, hey, we'll put you with a manager, some, you know, a good manager that's a good talker, and just spend a year here. And, you know, and, and because without the title, I remember last time you had didn't have the title. He was carrying a balloon around. Remember that? He was like yeah. kind of like cartoonish. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like, like, what? like they don't know what to do with him if he doesn't have the title. It's kind of weird. He's the one wrestler in the world right now that just needs a break from television in general. He just needs to, like you said, either uh, go to any promotion in the U.S. Hell, even if it's Impact. <laughs> like, yeah, take the take the litter. Go to MLW. Take a risk or something. I I like Okada. He's one of the best pure wrestlers in the world, obviously, and he's a great performer. But yeah, like I just I I throw my shoulders up there. It's like okay, here's Okada. Like I, I it's got to the point for me, hoodie. Like when I see an Okada match on a card, I'm like okay, I know what's the easiest match to transcribe because I can notice that times that Okada goes through the emotions. So when I notice the performer going through the motions, it makes my job easier because I basically know what they're going to do in a match. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's a little different process, but I, I like Okada, and it's time for him to branch out out of New Japan. If I, if I had a promotion, I would definitely get like a couple years. Like, look, we're not going to undermine you like TNA did back in the day. We know how special you are, and we're going to put you in the title picture because we know how great you are. And that's that, that's what made territory wrestling good. When you'd hear like in three weeks, you know, he's coming from Japan, you get all these, uh, you know, videos and stuff, you build them up, you build them up, and then you put them in your promotion. Shit. You, you, now you got a new talent that's not even homegrown from your company. He comes from Japan. He's, he already is a heel because he comes from Japan, at, at least back in the day. And then you put him in the title picture, man. Now you got something. And as long as you got a manager that can speak for him, that that would be tremendous business. Um, Naito, how many times did he spit in the match? Because I gotta go back and watch this now. I can't. I can't stand. It. I think that's repugnant. I think, and, and like you know, I remember when Jim Ross was caught in New Japan, and like he was all about it until he saw that. Just, he was just disgusted by it, and especially when Naito was supposed to be a babyface. And I'm like, even I, I'm not down with that. Like you spit on me, we're gonna go at it for real. I'm just saying, like, you can get over better than doing that and snotting on me. Yeah, that shit doesn't tolerate here, pal. No. Um, you know what? I, I got I to gotta do some research and figure out who spits out more, him or Sammy Callahan in matches, because he, both of these guys do it every match they do, and it's like, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah. And, hell, I think Sammy Callahan spit at Rob Van Dam last night, and Sammy's like a de facto baby face now because they have a few with Rob Van Dam and Katie Forbes, who's just there to freaking plug her OnlyFans account. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about it. <laughs> I'm all about it. She's amazing. Oh, my. Um, so, so yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm not down with that. You don't write that either in your, I don't see you writing that. 
there's certain things that I leave off that doesn't deserve to be part of the match. <laughs> I, I, I think ultimately with my website, <laughs> we're joking about this, but honestly, like I, when I'm making a transcript, I want it to be like a theater to mine type of thing. So for anybody who doesn't have time to catch up with the show, I have it there, and I, I separate paragraphs to show you the different parts of the match. It's not only just moves in there and i really tried my best to protect the touts uh protect the referees that there's missed spots that the announcers don't mention during the during the match i'm really like breaking out every aspect i could out of a match and yeah when there's spitting or dumb spots on the outside or the fact that announcers won't mention the fact that a guy uh, um, oh god this happens a lot in aw dark so i, I apologize in advance with this but <laughs> um Private Party, I like them as a tag team, but they have no tag team psychology if they're like dependent on it. I was watching the match that they did with um, FTR Butler and Peter Avalon or oh, whatever. Oh yeah, and uh, they had this spot where Cassidy was rolling in the corner, and Mark Clint just walks in the ring like he was tagged in, and the referee went on like it, it was supposed to be a hot tag. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, well, well, you see what happens when you have green on green. Where, who's the who's the veteran? Like Brandon Cutler has been around, right? But I'm saying like, where's the veteran crew to lead Private Party? Private Party's best match was against FTR. It Power was, and glory. What was it not? Like it, it was like it because F, even, even though FTR had most of that match, it, yes. but FTR slowed them down. Like here's how a tag team match goes, pal. You're not not only are you going to lose, but we're going to ground you. And we're gonna show you what it's like to be able to be in a real tag team match where it you got where you're not doing a million spots. But when you have a uh, private party against that tag team you mentioned, who's the captain? Right? <laughs> you can't count on the referee because he's green too. <laughs> See? See? I mean, I, like a lot of the stuff is just like, oh, you know, Hood, you're so old school, you don't get no. The reason why that you have a veteran uh, tag team against private parties to teach private party, to get private party over, like, okay, so you're the baby faces, so we're going to ground you, and so we're going to make the crowd want you to be able to come out from underneath and be able to win this match. We're, we're going to get the crowd behind you, but if you don't, if you're doing 50-50 moves... Then it, it's it's not doesn't work for anybody. Where you no tag team rules, you just walk in when you want to. You you know you extend the ten counts, all that stuff. You're flying around, and you'd never give the audience an opportunity to root for you. Because why would you root for someone who just is going a million miles an hour? Right. Like even, I, go I ahead. can't stand the spot where they do the like the simultaneous tag. Boom, boom. And then here's the thing in tag team matches all the time. You notice it now in a lot of these promotions. Okay, guy gets tagged in. Boom, punch, tag. Uh, stopping the guy's chest, tag. It's like, I understand that there's parts of cutting the ring in half, and I appreciate that because I am a wrestling purist. There's also parts in tag team matches where it just doesn't make sense. Okay, you just came in for a hot tag. You do a clothesline and maybe a back elbow, and you're already tagging out to your partner. Yeah, well, you gotta get both of yourself over. Well, well, I mean, look, you don't, you don't spend time. This is for all the companies. This is not just AEW. This is WWE also. You yes. don't you don't you don't spend enough time 
telling the story about who these people are. You don't invest the time with all the uh, millions of hours of TV that you have now, either digitally or on TV. You don't invest the time to let us know who these people are. You don't slow matches down enough for us to be able to care and hope that the baby faces win. You don't put enough time in to, to establish who baby faces are because, as Cody Rhodes would tell you, oh, that's passe. It's passe. You know, we, there is no baby face or heel. Okay, so who am I supposed to invest in? Who am I supposed to invest in? And that and that match you just talked about is a perfect example. You, the guys do any spots that they want to do. Uh, you can't, you don't know who the baby face and the heels are. You 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 can't invest. Even put it this way: it's like basketball, right? If you have your favorite basketball team and your favorite basketball team's down ten, you're rooting for them to come back in the game in the fourth quarter. Hey, they cut it to eight. Hey, they cut it to six. Hey, they, another three, another three. Now they're back in the ball game. Well, that's that's the feeling that you have as a wrestling fan. Your baby face or your favorite is down ten in the match, or they they're down. Well, you're rooting for them to have momentum to get back in the match. And it may take five or six minutes. It may take ten. It, in old school, it might take twenty. But once, <laughs> but but once you get that tag right, and once you start punching and moving forward, now the crowd's behind you, just like your favorite fans are are, are behind their favorite team. It's the same concept. But what do I know? Well, you can't have wrestling matches as a video game. Like, <laughs> like, if you picture today, if like you have, um, let's say it's Terry Taylor and. Buzz Sawyer against uh, the British Bulldogs, and this is it's a random pairing. Obviously, I don't know if they ever had a match with each other. <laughs> it's like I'm just mixing this together, right? Okay, you have uh, the Dynamite Kid and Buzz Sawyer, and Sawyer's giving the heat on Dynamite Kid. And picture this today, hoodie. Picture like the meltdown would be on Twitter. They're cutting the ring in half. Uh, Sawyer drops a, a fist drop or something like that or yeah. an elbow and he's milking it and he's taunting and he's taunting the British Bulldog because he's the one that'll get the hot tag right and <laughs> and they're milking it and milking it and milking it and you'll see uh, the, the the reporters <laughs> be like oh my god why are they milking this match so loud like it's going so slow or a rear chin lock that goes more than a minute like <laughs> it's right. impossible I watch a lot of these shows back because I like to study different arts of wrestling and all these different promotions and these matches would have been crucified crucified <laughs> you know you have your over the top performers that had great promos and I don't think people would really appreciate the storytelling aspect in the ring that was told in the 70s and 80s and stuff I really don't pro wrestling should be more like basketball down 10 than tennis right? than tennis that's 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 the whole point. You score, I score. You score, I score. You score, I score. Uh, spot, spot, spot. Finish. Versus, man, I'm getting my ass whooped here. Oh my god! Am I, will they be able to come back? It's it's five minutes now. It's ten minutes, man. Will I? Ever, and now you're fighting from underneath. Now you're coming back from the deficit, just like sports. And you do that in wrestling. It's a it's a tried and true formula. But nope, gotta get your shit in. Gotta get your shit in. All right. Don't forget to follow Josh on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast. And also, don't forget the, as we mentioned earlier, prowrestlingtranscriptions.com. Bookmark that. You're trying to figure out, hey, what's going on in, on your favorite wrestling show across the country and around the world? Check out prowrestlingtranscriptions.com. Uh, by the way, just quick prediction as we run out of time here. Um, MJF or 
Or the Austin Cosplay ML, uh, uh, <laughs> AEW champion. Who wins? MJF. MJF 2020. That's my pick, Diddy. MJF wins the AEW championship. Yes. I guess John Moxley. Really? Yeah. Uh, the fact that John Moxley's fighting Mark Sterling, I'd never heard of him in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Before last week, um, I think the writing's on the wall. I think MJF actually beats John Moxley. All right, I got your prediction: MJF over John Moxley for All Out taking place this Saturday, which we'll review um, next week on the show. All right, my friend. As always, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you, brother. That was fun, as always with Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. We'll talk again as we get ready for All Out, the AEW pay-per-view. Let's see if John Moxley loses his championship and uh, so much more. Don't forget to tell people about Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. It's on the ESPN Chicago app and wherever you download your podcast. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And don't forget, we're on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. I'm Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for checking me out. And don't forget to check me out mornings on ESPN 1000. As I'm on Every Day with David Kaplan, we bring you Cap and Jay Hood mornings on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. All right. Talk to you next week with another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday.